time together today, Lord. I pray that you will speak through Damo, Lord, that we will be able to take to heart um, what is said today, Lord, and put it into practice in our lives that it won't just go in one ear and out the other and as we walk out the door and go and, go and live our lives as if it hasn't impacted, Lord. Give us something to, to grasp onto, something to, to put into action this week out of the message. Amen. Two, two, one, two. There we are. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, open up. John uh, 4. John 4. If you've got your Bibles, open them up. Take your time, pull out your phone, out of your wallet, out of your uh, pocket. Uh, John 4, verse 7 to 26. Today I want to take you, while you're finding that, today I want to take you to the beach. Today I want to take you to the sand, looking out across the water, Uh, Maybe even we want to go fishing a little bit. But to help get us there, I want to look at this passage in John 4. It's actually up on the screen um, for those that don't um, have the text in front of them on a a book uh, in the Bible. Uh, And it goes like this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Uh, His disciples had gone into town. Uh, The Samaritan woman said to him, Hang on a second, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. How could you ask me for a drink? Because we don't associate with each other. (laughs) That doesn't happen. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well, drank from it himself and so did his sons and and his sheep and cows and all the rest of that? Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Wow, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here and keep drinking from this well and drawing water up. He says, Go, call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, You were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands. And now the man that you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman says, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. You say I have to go to this place to do and honour God the way that you need. Jesus says, woman, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Uh, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Oh, hang on. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And then she says... I know that Messiah, I know that the Messiah, the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. That's our reading for today. And I want that to sit as a background for what I'm about to speak about in terms of evangelism and engaging with, um, with people. 
Up on the screen here we have the beach that I was talking about before. This is the beach. This is our life at the moment. It's interesting. I've been watching uh, Star Wars lately with my daughter. It's been really fun. If you know this scene, this is the scene at the penultimate battle. This is the final scene, good versus evil, Rey versus Kylo Ren, the good girl and the bad guy, and they're fighting in the middle of this stormy water. You can see Rey up there. You're about to see Kylo Ren come through that crashing wave off to the side there. Um, stick your hands up if you've seen it, seen the movie. Some people have seen it, most haven't. That's okay. Oh, the girl's at the back. Yep, I see that hand. All right. So what we've got is... Um, this is, this is almost an analogy for our life in a sense, right? Where we're engaging with this battle of good versus evil, right? And all around us, we have the rest of our life that's sort of churning. As I've watched this Star Wars, as opposed to, um, you know, the first three Star Wars that came out, they had almost this feeling of, of uh, we are uh, in this beautiful technological age of computers and everything will end up well and fine. We've got all of this beautiful, quiet thrum of machinery in the background that serves to promote life, and in amongst you still got that battle of good and evil. But that was the, the end of the first three movies that they put out, where technology might save us. And now we've come to this one, where you've got actually, even with technology around us, actually our life is still turmoil around us. All right. This mimics, I think, where we've come from in terms of where we were 20 years ago to actually where we are now. You know, so at the moment we're dealing with wars, we're dealing with floods, we're dealing with heat waves, we're dealing with famine. Um, what stormy territory we are in. And I think we can all resonate with that a little bit. I loved that we just sung that song that we just sang. Um, because in there is a testimony. At the very start, it says, I've heard the accusations, I've heard the this, I've heard the that, but actually, this is what reminds me of who I've always been. And for the person who wrote that song, there's a line in there that says, actually, this is who I am. And for him, that's what the gospel is. That's what the good news was for him. Last week, I shared around the communion table, I said when I was 18, I felt uh, anger and shame at my past. And I needed God to speak into me the words of peace and words of hope. And that happened. And so as we go through today, um, I want us to come to this idea as we start out. If that is our background of our life and we have this choice to engage or not engage in the fight... When we go up to people and we say, hey, this is my life and my life comes up against your life and we sort of bounce off each other, what are we offering people as we bounce off them? And effectively what we're offering them is hope. What we're offering them is hope. And as we get into our book series this week, uh, The Good and Beautiful Community, there's one story at the start of the next chapter of the book. I'd love you to read it and engage with this if you haven't. And it basically tells a story about a lady um, who is 
oh, I wish you'd been there to tell because somebody asked me about Jesus or somebody asked me about church. And she says, oh, I wish you had been there, pastor or husband or whoever it is that you lean on with all of those correct answers. And she says, I wish you'd been there because I couldn't possibly tell them all they need to know to give them hope. And today what we're actually wanting to do is break down that narrative. We want to break that down because actually we want to build hope because you have in you the hope of Christ. You have you in you the love of Christ and you can build into that hope. I've gone well away from my notes, but I will get back. One last thing as we start and as we get into an introduction of this. This storm... People might use it as a reason to fear. Oh, you know, this is a reason that we should all batten down the hatches and and come together. But actually, no, the hope that we have pushes through the storm. There is no fear in amongst the storm. There's no fear of the storm that's around us as we're engaging in whatever it is that we're fighting. The storm is going to happen whether we're there or not. And so it's a choice for us to actually engage. Rachel, do you want to throw up that clip just to bring everybody in? I'll find where I'm at in my notes and then we'll go. This is the clip. This is one minute long. Uh, the most awesome part. is evil, storm raging around, where are we focusing? It's interesting, the video that we showed here, it shows a fight and I want to use that as an analogy for our life, why do we fight? Because in some ways, surely it would be easier for us not to engage in the fight. Surely it would be easier for us not to engage in the fight. I could just roll over and listen to whatever it is that the world wants for me to do. I'll listen to the marketing. I will engage in the, um, the highly critical um, and over-sexualized culture that we're engaged in. Or, you know, all of these things that are out there. We could roll over and do that. But actually it goes past that. Because for you guys, for each of you, there would have been something that actually brought you hope when you first heard the gospel. And actually I want to... Um, I want to go there, but I'll go there a little bit later. What is it that brought you hope? What is it that made you go, you know what, there's a fight here that's happening and I need to engage in it? 
Do you know where I'm going with this? Does that make sense so far? There's a fight going on and actually I need to engage in it. It's like Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4 where she said to those around her, hey, come and see the man who told me everything I ever knew about myself. Could this man be the saviour of us all? There was hope spoken into her life. And there would have been hope spoken into your life and I want you to connect with that hope, just like it connected with me when I was 18, just like Miriam shared before that connected with her. What has brought you hope? For me, all of this comes down to the gospel, right? What is the gospel? I've shared what it was when I was 18. Miriam shared what it was for her. But actually the gospel for each of us now is different again. So the gospel that I needed to hear when I was 18 is different from the gospel that I need to hear when I'm 40. And I'm sure it'll be different again when I reach... Anybody brave enough to share their age? 21. Nine? I'd, I'd almost like to, to leave my notes behind because I've got almost this perspective of, hang on a second, the gospel that you hear through the Bible, I don't even have a Bible up here. Oh, there's one. Um, you will be reading through your scripture. As you read, new portions of gospel will come out for you and they will stand out for you and they will guide you by the Spirit into where it is that you're meant to go and what it is that you're meant to do, right? So I'm almost, I almost want to do that, right? Um, but I'm, I'm going to keep going. I love how um, in our book there's this fear of saying to people uh, what it is that we... We're scared of sharing the scripture, right? We're, shared, we're scared of sharing um, this hope. And we might tell ourselves these stories. We might say, I couldn't possibly share this hope. And then if we do find ourselves in a position to share, well, perhaps um, we feel, hang on a second, I need to give them what the gospel is in a neat package. I need to share with them everything. I need to give them my statement of faith. Duk, 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 duk. But from what I've experienced, and I'm sure you've experienced it as well, the gospel is one little facet built up on one little facet, one piece of the puzzle at a time of God's grace to me, of God's grace to you as we walk through our life. And so, in a sense, we don't actually need to have it all together. And we definitely don't need to tell anybody who listens the whole story at once. He's finding his seat, I love it. Um, my dad told me once, you don't have to give someone the whole cart of hay. You just need to give them the bale that they need for the week. If people are holding out for one little piece of grace from you as you share, and it's okay, and I want to give us permission to say that it's okay not to give them the whole cart as we go.
So how have we found engaging with our, our books so far? Who's, who's been in the study group so far? Has anybody done some of the reading from last week? And the question that they asked was, uh, or the, the challenge that they asked was to do something peculiar. You experience hope and life, you live in a different way, therefore you outwork that and you live in a different uh, way to the point where um, you uh, live peculiarly. And this was our challenge up here on our back wall, the peculiar community. Um, I need somebody to help me with this. Hey, um, Jake, do you want to come and give us a hand there? Come and give us a hand. As we go through this book, I almost want to... Um, Coming up, coming up this way. Yeah, come around. I want us to recognise the thread of Christ that is in each of us as we go through. Can you help me just pull this thread through to about here for me? Just pull on this one. Pull on this one. Because I've created a little mechanism. Yeah, pull. No, no, that way. We want the red to come this way. Yeah, there it is. Lovely. That's the one. Awesome. That's it. Right there. Thanks, man. Each week I'm going to get a young person to come up and help us recognise that we are all part of this sort of machine or mechanism of the church, of Christ's body. Thanks, man. Go have a seat. And now what I want to do is go around the floor and actually say, last week we were challenged, what does this look like, this peculiar community? Did anybody actually do something peculiar that stood out and then actually caused um, change to happen or make somebody ask a question about faith. Here we go. It didn't work, but I tried. So I actually shared with one of my friends something that I... I shared the book club, the, the Good and Beautiful community, because... We were just talking and I was like, oh, yeah, we know we're doing this thing at church and we're looking at this book on how to be a better community, how to be a more loving Christian community. My friend's an atheist. Anyway, I was sharing with her on Messenger on Facebook and usually she writes back pretty quickly and I think I wrote a few paragraphs and I got, oh, yeah. But it was a bit weird for me to share that. It was strange because we we sometimes talk about God together but we... It's usually engaged on her part asking me questions, not me sharing. So that was a bit out of the box. Mm. But was there... Okay, so that's good. That's good. Um, was there anybody who actually did something out of their ordinary thing? They actually said, you know what, I'm going to engage in doing something that's different this week, that is just so far out of what an ordinary person would do because actually I feel God is calling me to do that this week. You get back. Just to share on that. I um, I had a chance encounter with a friend's mother-in-law, <laughs> just randomly, and I'd met this lady once before, and she was fun, and you know, and then yesterday I had an opportunity to spend a bit more time with her, and she suddenly started sharing quite a lot of what was going on in her life at the moment and there were some pretty strong parallels. We're at very different life stages but some very strong parallels with um, things that I'm going through at the moment. And I just had this real boldness to like... I, I usually don't share an awful lot unless it's people that I know well. But um, 
I shared enough with her, but then I really challenged her on the way she was thinking about things as well. And I, you know, when you're saying things out loud and you're like, stop talking, like you're just kind of, oh my goodness, okay, God, I'm just trusting you with these words because this lady's either going to be incredibly offended or completely transformed. Like it's just like, and you're just like, okay, I'm just a vessel in this. And just, I think it's just that boldness of, of speaking. Of, yeah. But she, she was not offended. I think she was actually transformed in all sense. And appreciated it. Yeah, that's it. Um, I know for me, this week, I, um, I'm a part of a local club and I did something to fix uh, one, of the, um, one of the apparatus that we use weekly and I just decided, oh, I'm going to go do this thing. I, I sent a message to the club. I said, hey, is anybody uh, fixing this yet? And they said, no. And I said, all right, well, I'll come through and I'll do it. Um, you wouldn't believe it. As I'm sitting there fixing it, I've got two or three people come up to me and they go, oh, that's weird. Why are you fixing that? And I'm like, well, because it needs fixing and nobody else is doing it. It's just an act that I can do. I know how to do it. I'm going to do it. And they said, oh, hang on, you're, you work at that church, don't you? And I said, well, actually, yeah, I do. And then all from them, it was just like, let me tell you all of my background and my story and I feel like this. And it was amazing, right? It's like you do these little peculiar acts in community and all of a sudden people want to talk to you, people want to share, people want to engage because they see the goodness and they see you stepping outside of, of normal. Um, and I made the point previously, and I'll make it again, this is Christ in us. Okay, So for those that are wanting, hang on a second, Damo, I want some solid biblical stuff here. Give me some Bible Um, This is Christ in us that is being outworked. So if you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians uh, 13.5, do you not realise that Christ is in you? Romans 8, Christ is in you because the Spirit is life because of righteousness and your right actions that you do. Galatians 1, he has called me by my grace to reveal Christ in me. Galatians 2, it is Christ who lives in me. Galatians 4, I will keep working until Christ is formed in you. Uh, Ephesians 6, Christ makes his home in your hearts. 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Colossians 1, Christ is in you. And we'll come back to our point today if, I, if some bot threw a windy road. Hope. Christ is in you, Colossians 1, the hope of glory. And it's this Christ in you that people see as they engage with you through the week. Your life is the most profound witness to your connection with God. And most of the time, Christ followers are witnessing to others of Christ simply by how we live. And that's the point of evangelism. They want to know the reason that you have hope. Let's get into these ideas of false narratives, right? Um, In the book, uh, in the coming weeks, um, we'll see that there are common objections to actually sharing this hope. I don't want to share this hope. Um, You know, there are things that are holding me back from sharing. Uh, One, uh, feeling embarrassed or or afraid of offending people um, because actually previously we've been told that our belief isn't helpful. Um, Two, being afraid of rejection. 
Um, well, actually, if I share this, they might not like me as a person. I might lose their friendship. Um, three, actually, I feel like a hypocrite. Um, I say all this stuff about how I believe and how I live, but actually, I still struggle with it. Or four, um, you might feel uneducated. Um, you might say, hang on a second, I don't feel like I've got this neat package of statement of beliefs. I don't have it, and so I'm not able to do it right because somebody says I need to give it all at once. But actually, if we live our lives in such a clear or in such a way that it's clear that we simply have this hope and we offer it to those around, then that makes sharing our faith a risk worth taking. They want to know the reason you have hope. Let's talk just briefly about um, as we share, we want to share with dignity and respect. One of the things that community, our community is struggling with at the moment is housing. Um, in John 14, uh, we read it out earlier, Jesus tells us that he's going to heaven to prepare a room for us in eternity. And I like this idea of, hang on a second, we've got the opportunity to house people now. And as we house people now, we actually have that link to uh, eternity, to this home in the future. As we meet this need here, it is, a, it is a picture of the hope that we have for the future. If we did that, that would gain attention and it would make people notice and it would make people ask questions, right? Um, let me tell you another story. I've been catching up with the leaders of Just Home Margaret River this week and we've been chatting about the possibility of meeting some of the needs uh, for community housing uh, in our community and how we might engage in a partnership in that regard. Um, they came to meet us here at the church and as I was talking with them and engaging uh, with that sort of space of homelessness and housing, I heard a story and I want to relay that story to you. I'm aware of a guy, he, um, it's not here in Margaret River, uh, he basically shared that uh, one night he was looking to sleep rough and as he was sleeping rough, he, he thought, hang on a second, I need to get out of this bush land that I'm in. I need to go find myself um, some shelter because I'm just getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. And he said, oh, there's a church over in the distance. I'll go have a look and see if they've got a veranda or a portico or something I might sleep under for the night. He went there and he saw that there was a toilet block on the side. It was pushed ajar and he was like, oh, there's, a, there's an open space in here just long enough because there's a urinal, urinal along the side there. I'll be able to you know, roll out next to my swag and I'll be able to sleep rough in here for the night, shut the door, get away from the mozzies. This is brilliant, right? It was 10.30 at night. He thought, this is great. I'm going to come and I'm going to just sleep here for the evening. No chance of anybody coming, is there? Lo and behold, late night prayer meeting at the church. People start rolling in to the car park and he's got the door ajar. He has a look. And he goes, oh no, I'm in trouble because there's no exit out of this thing without being seen now by these people. And so he's just hiding. He wants to stay there. And in the end, um, somebody does actually come in to the toilet and the welcome that he got um, 
Well, actually, let's just say it wasn't very grace-giving on behalf of the person uh, that was at the prayer meeting. Um, unfortunately, in this instance, he was pushed off that site and wasn't offered any bed or shelter or housing for the evening. Um, in fact, uh, what are you doing here? This is private property, get out, so on and so forth. Um, this is a story that's come through that idea of, of just home and the housing, house, housing crisis that we're in at the moment, right? So I found out the next day he went to that church service. He, he washed and um, you know, cleaned himself up at a, at a local uh, facility and then came in and went to the church service and the, um, the preaching that day was on the love of God for all people. And why do I tell you this story, right? I tell you this because no matter what we say about how we might love each other or how God loves us and so therefore we might love you know, those in our community, unless our words turn into actions, then they're absolutely worthless. They're absolutely worthless. And so as we engage with visioning for our church, as we go through this process of discerning where it is that we're meant to be as a church, as a community, a good, beautiful community, there's got to be a link to actually this is who we are, this is what we're good at doing as a, as a people, and we just want to meet this need that we see in our community. So that we can actually make our words match with our actions. This means that we have to treat people with dignity and respect that God has imbued in us at the creation of the world. There is no caste system. There is no hierarchy of who's better or worse off in the kingdom of God. You know, we see that uh, question as Jesus comes up against it in Scripture. What sin did that person commit, which means that their life is like this? It's not like that in the kingdom. Jesus rebukes that idea. No, there's actually dignity and respect for all. People want to know the hope that you have. All right, so let's get into some theological stuff. Um, and I'll get there by way of another story. I, I ran into a guy, I would say that he is probably one of the most Australian guys I've met this last two weeks. Uh, we sat down at lunch in fact, I saw Peter Nelsonberger sit across the table opposite him. So this is then, right? Peter knows where I was at when this happened. Um, he said, Damo, there's a lot of talk about this eternity business. This is the quintessential Australian bloke, right? A lot of talk about this eternity business, but at the end of the day, I've only got, in his mind, from now until I die to make any difference in this world at all. We can talk about heaven all day, he says, but in my mind, we make heaven by our actions and then God sorts out the rest. Now, will I go with him all the way? Yeah. But what I want to point out to us by sharing that story is we live in such a pragmatic context. This is where we live. We are no longer talking about people concerned with, am I going to live for eternity? Am I going to be resurrected? Um, we're dealing with actually, what am I going to do here and now that makes a difference? Because actually, we don't know what's going to happen. 
But what I know is that I have faith and I know in all the other bits and pieces that are coming after in the Christian story. And this is the gospel. Let me tell you about what that is. This is as succinct as I can make it. This is the hope that we have. This is our salvation. We are hopeful that in the death of Christ we are carried with him. That's why we do baptism. We die and we're raised again. We are are hopeful that as we acknowledge our sin, that he would take it from us, that he would provide atonement for us, that he would make us at one with God, that Christ would make his home in us, that we would have that peace. That by his resurrection we have proof of his claim that he has the power to do this and that as he ascended up to heaven, he left us with his spirit in us that we might build into the kingdom on earth while we wait for his return. And when he does, and when he does return, it will be the fulfillment of time where he makes all things new. This hope was enacted in Christ from the opening of creation in his stepping out of timelessness into time just to make us aware of himself. This is hope. This is peace. If you want a picture of that, uh, this week's lectionary readings are all on transfiguration, the transfiguration of of Christ up on the mountain uh, with his disciples. And that takes us back into Exodus as well, where Moses got to meet with God. Moses got to meet with God. Jesus up on the mountain, the disciples get to meet with God. Elijah, Moses on either side. Interestingly enough, um, if you read back into the lectionaries, and I encourage you to go there, one part just makes me go, oh, that is, that is the gospel for me this week. And that's as they saw Jesus and then the voice came down, they said, hey, this is my son whom I love. Those disciples that were with him were gobsmacked, fell down with the power that was imbued in that moment. And do you know what happened? Christ went to them. It says he touched them. He says, hey, hey, he touched Just the touch. That man would be touched by God. That Jesus would come down to where I'm at in my sin and my shame and touch me. That's gospel for me this week. Okay, so we're in a storm. Let's bring it back so that we can come into a landing here. We're in the middle of a storm. I want to bring us back to the beach, the surging waves all around us as we choose to engage in this fight, as we choose to have this hope. It's easy to get caught in fear for everything around us. Um, But I want to leave us today with a quote from a well-known man who wrote uh, Narnia, C.S. Lewis, um, and he lived during the World Wars. He lived through both of them, actually. Um, He saw the atrocity both, and he lived to see the development of probably the most worrying thing of this age, and that is the nuclear uh, bomb. He lived to see that. I think his response to that is the most perfect example of the Christian hope that we have and how we're meant to live. And so he writes this, and I'll quote C.S. Lewis here for a little bit. 
He says, in one way, I think we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? He says, I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, in an age of syphilis, in an age of paralysis, in an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors, anaesthetics. But we have that still. But it's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, then let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and humane things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. C.S. Lewis. As I come into a close, if people see us working in our lives, forging a path that has hope, then they will ask about it. This is the pearl of great price. And they will want it for themselves, and they'll want to come alongside and offer that pearl to others also. One story to finish. I was speaking with Dave Holland a few months back and this Fishers of Men uh, idea came up. And it reminded me of this conversation that we had. We were talking about how the church might say, hey, let's go do evangelism. Let's go, um, you know, let's go catch some fish. And we might even all go get ready to go fishing. We might even get the tackle box. We might get the rod. We might even get into our fishing clothes to go fishing uh, like Jesus has asked us to. We might even walk down to the beach, but when we get there, we might stop and we might sit down in the sand and we might look at it and we might go, hang on a second, that looks really messy. I don't want to go fishing in that. Or we might go and we might sit in the sand and we go, you know what, last time I went fishing, it was really hard um, and I caught some fish, but then the fish you know, jumped off the line after I started reeling them in. And then what happens if we do catch a fish? If we do catch a fish, then we're going to have to do the work to make the fish edible so that we can actually prepare it and use it. And so if we go evangelizing, we're going to catch a fish and then all of a sudden we're going to actually have to do the hard work of engaging with this person. Um, You know, hey, 
I hear you're having financial trouble. Can I help you out with that? Hey, I see that you're engaged in this act of impropriety that actually needs to be sorted out. Do you know God offers you hope in that? Can I help you walk through that? Hey, can I offer you some accountability as you're going through this problem with alcoholism? Hey, can I engage with you in this space where you might want to, you know, all of this is part of catching fish. There is some human stuff that needs to happen here as we offer them also the idea of eternity. But you go, hang on a second, maybe instead of going fishing, I'm just going to sit on the beach with my rod. I'm just going to sit here with my tackle box. I don't actually want to cast that in because that all sounds too hard. But actually, that's not the command that we've been given. The command is to go and catch fish. Make you fishers of men. I want to leave us with this idea. Are we treating people with the dignity that they deserve as we tell them about Christ, just as Jesus engaged with this Samaritan woman? Are we offering people hope as we go out and cast our line in? And so when we find ourselves sitting on this beach, you know, without a line in the water, you know, we say we're fishing, um, can we be satisfied if we turn around and go home when we haven't actually cast our line in? All around us, there are fish waiting to be caught, waiting to hear the hope that we have. As we get into our study groups this week, uh, there's a reminder that our, this is a reminder that our lives, as we live our lives, that we do these acts, the peculiar things that we're doing, is a reminder that our lives are the most profound witness to our connection with God. And that sharing our faith doesn't need us to have all of these things worked out into this neat package that we just give somebody. But actually, it, it unravels itself over time. The gospel becomes full as we go through our lives. We need to be present and honest about our own journey in amongst this. But it's so worth it. Let's continue to walk in faith and love and may our lives be a testimony to this hope that we have in Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, Lord, I feel like I've bounced all over the place today, um, but I hope that in there there's something of your spirit that will lodge in our hearts today, in our minds, in our actions that take us from just hearing to actually hearing and doing. Lord, that as we do these peculiar acts, Lord, that people will want to hear. Lord, that we won't be caught up in the false narrative. Lord, but that we'll be able to share out of this place of hope. Lord, I pray that for each of us this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.